Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast is an edited recording from our Sunday morning service held on November 26, 2023. For news and information and to find out how to join us, please visit stjamesleith.org.uk. Welcome to St. James this morning. Thank you so much. It's really nice to see you all, whether you're here in the room or at home on Zoom. Um, I'm Elspeth. I'm going to be leading the service this morning. Ian will be reflecting and uh, Joe will be having, uh, doing some activities with the young people during the service. Traditionally, we would have the singing bowl, uh, but it's missing this week. Uh, So we will have a a little moment of silence. Um, Why don't we have a a nice chord on the guitar that sort of like shimmers into the distance while we have the lighting of the candle. And if you've got a candle at home, you can uh, light that now. Stay seated for the opening prayer. With nature in its power and beauty, with rain and wind and sunshine, with the ancient rocks and the budding flower, we gather in praise of God. With believers and seekers the whole world wide, with people in every land, and speakers of every language. We gather gather in praise of God. With the angels and saints in heaven, and with all who have worshipped in this place, we gather gather in praise of God. With Jesus who promised his presence, and the Spirit who showers her blessings, we gather gather in praise of God. Here let heaven and earth embrace. Here may God's people find home. Let us stand for our opening song, Gather Us In.
confession. Trusting in God's forgiveness, let us in silence confess our failings and acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. May God forgive us, Christ renew us, and the Spirit enable us to grow in love. Amen. seated and I'd like to invite Christine to come and read our oh it's not Christine I would like to invite the person who thinks they are doing the first reading to come and read the first reading <laughs> oh the spirit is moving Frank I'm really sorry about the gong I'll bring it back next week I'm sorry so yes correct uh, so, the first reading is apparently from Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to 23. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the work of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at, the right, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Um, let us stand for the gospel acclamation. Gospel is taken from Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, with all the angels with him, he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand, and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you take care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. 
Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when was it we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When was it that we saw you as a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I tell you, as you did this to the least of these, you might me- you, these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, You are accursed. Depart from me to the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will, ans- they will all answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not care for you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do this to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away to the eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the gospel. Good news for all. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these two amazing passages. And we ask that you would reveal to us by your Holy Spirit the depth of their meaning because in many ways they're beyond our human understanding. So open the word for us this morning. Amen. So I I want to start for asking forgiveness uh, for uh, doing the reflection yet again. (laughs) Um, We do try and share it around, but uh, for very good reasons, a number of people have uh, dropped out recently, and I always feel it's a bit unfair to ask people at the last moment um, so you've got me again uh, to look at this incredible... Um, oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I wasn't angling for that, but that's great. <laughs> um, but if there was uh, such a thing as a, a top ten of the most significant and powerful uh, passages in the Bible, I think the uh, what's known as the sheep and goats would probably be up there. And it's probably why it occurs in the last Sunday of the church year. Um, It's Christ the King, and we start the new church year at Advent. And as I mentioned in a a previous uh, sermon, I think when the bishop was here, uh, there are nine examples, I think, of salvation, eternal life being described as a banquet and a feast. And then you have this one, which is more like a courtroom scene where people are separated into the righteous and unrighteous. And I think it's this image of salvation which uh, takes hold of our imagination, particularly if you, um, from a Catholic uh, background, which is probably more my background, or certainly uh, evangelical background, you've probably heard a number of fiery sermons about uh, eternal damnation uh, and those things. And it's this last sentence um, and a few sentences in other places in the Bible, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And I want to spend a little bit of time on this line. Uh, I don't think it's the significant part of the passage, but really to sort of consign it to the bin if I could. But I think it takes a lot longer to consign this image, uh, sometimes a lifetime, this image of eternal punishment, which uh, induces fear into Christians. And certainly, uh, I think we might even miss the central message of this reading, which is centered on love through action. So I just want, if we start, I'm going to do it brief. It's a whole sermon in itself, but I'm going to briefly uh, look at this passage, uh, this last sentence. Um, If we start with the premise that God is love and Paul's sense of love never fails, then the idea of God splitting us into two cues, consigning one group to internal damnation doesn't square, I don't think. You either have to believe in a God of love or you believe uh, in this other God. In fact, I think almost speaks of a monster God. 
And this image of internal, in, eternal damnation uh, is essentially, I think, made vivid by Dante's uh, vision of hell, the pictures of Dante's vision. And it's a vision that's, I think, essentially a medieval construct, came much, much later, mixed with a few pagan ideas, a smattering of Bible verses and metaphors uh, yanked out of context and given an over-literalized meaning. So, firstly, there's one description. Um, uh, there is no one clear description of the afterlife in the Bible, and many conflicting ones. And Thomas Aquinas said, uh, probably the greatest theologian um, of them all, said, in the end, language can only depict what is here. And given the hereafter is not here, we can only infer. And there are different words in the Bible, like Sheol and Hades, all with different shades of meaning. And Jesus himself uses the word Gehenna or Gehinan, um, which was actually uh, an actual place, a smoldering garbage dump outside the city of Jerusalem. And it was a metaphor that he used not uh, so much about the afterlife and everlasting punishment, but the inevitable consequences of sin of a broken way of being human. He wasn't telling his listeners that if they didn't repent in this life, they would burn forever in the next one. Instead, he was warning them that to live out of sync with the values of the kingdom, queendom of God was self-destructive. In other words, don't settle for life's rubbish dump. Conversely, if you live by the values of the kingdom, queendom of God, forgiveness, compassion, generosity, justice, nonviolence, and peace, you will experience salvation, healing, shalom, whatever you call it, heaven, here on earth. And St. Paul also never used the word hell in his writings, but instead he uses words, uh, all sorts of different words, but like sozo to describe salvation. That means to uh, rescue from danger, to deliver, to set free, to bring people into wholeness. And I would go so far as saying that Paul believed that all would be saved, all will be reconciled in Christ. And that's probably another set of sermons that I could go into. And before you think I'm going all uh, woolly liberal, I can see Frank looking at me there. Um, uh, sorry, Frank. Um, they do not, Paul and myself uh, and Jesus, we're not ignoring the problem of sin and evil. Um, both Paul and Jesus did believe in judgment, but judgment that was restorative rather than punitive. And our gospel passage clearly suggests that how we behave in this life matters, especially how we treat the least among us, the poor, the homeless, the destitute, the hungry, the thirsty, the prisoner. That is, it is important in the here and now, but it also has eternal consequences. But what those consequences are, we don't really know, and no one would, uh, would know. And Matthew, out of all the gospel writers, is apt to end his stories with a little threat at the end. It seems his way of giving uh, readers, listeners, um, uh, that what he's just said is really important, kind of listen up. It's a little bit of a sort of kick up the backside to really pay attention to what he's saying. So... The key verses, the key verses to listen to are highlighted with the opening phrase, truly I tell you. That's, that's the sort of signal to listen up. And the verses are, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And conversely, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of me, you did not do it, uh, least of these, you did not do it to me. So these words are much more radical than just a call for compassion for the afflicted. So radical, in fact, that most of the church, most of the time, has difficulty believing and practicing it. And that's why I think it's a passage, I'd suggest you go home and meditate on it, that has to really be revealed to us. Um, it, it's something almost beyond our sort of uh, capacity to understand it. And the reason why is, firstly, it says you will find Christ in those you think 
you are giving Christ to. Another great gospel reversal. You think you're helping them, and they end up helping you. And this was the essence of Richard Carter's book that we studied a few Lent uh, sessions ago, The City is My Monastery, which stressed the mutuality of ministry. And it's also my experience pastorally. I go out and visit somebody to provide them with support, and unwittingly, they provide me with life and uh, energy and support. And secondly, and I think this is the, the one that really um, is mind-boggling, it breaks down the barrier between Christ and us, between God and us. And it's almost impossible uh, to believe because it infers a sense of div- divinity within us, that God is not somewhere up in the sky but can be found within us and within one another. And if for a moment we could even grasp a little of what this passage is saying, I think we would treat one another with so much more care, so much more reverence, so much more dignity, so much more respect, and so much more love. We would not allow ourselves to be divided into this group or that group, this religion, that religion. And Yesterday I did go to, uh, again, a rally calling for a ceasefire. And one of the things that kept coming out uh, amongst the speakers, um, a number of Palestinian doctors, actually, medical care, is saying, we, we, we have names. We have names. And it's because of the media, how it's being reported, actually, um, that they're almost anonymous. So they're saying uh, the victims of the Hamas... Uh, Their stories are told, uh, and rightfully told. Please don't get me wrong. But it's not the balances on the other side. So much so that eight BBC reporters have written a letter. They didn't write it to the uh, BBC uh, executives. They wrote it to Al Jazeera for fear of losing their jobs, that they, uh, they were being controlled about what they could say and what they couldn't say. And it goes back to that uh, whistleblowing thing that I talked about the other week. The cost of uh, them coming out is, is hugely costly. So they went to Algeria. Algeria. It's a 2,300-page um, letter looking at the inequalities of how things are reported. But at this uh, rally, they listed the doctors' names who, were, uh, who had died. I think it's 400-odd um, who had died. And they also, the university, are listing a series of names of people in Gaza. It's 600 feet foot long at the moment, just with names on it, to say that all are equal. And that was what was coming across. They weren't saying we're more, that we're better. They were saying we are equal, that both Jew and Arab, both Israeli and Palestinian, are equal before God. And if this, if this passage um, absolutely uh, puts that uh, clearly... And then thirdly, it feels like sort of salvation by accident. The people don't even know that what they are doing will bring them salvation. And when I mean salvation, it's, it's a healing, a sense of wholeness. And there is no sense that they are being uh, motivated by any reward in heaven. In fact, these are acts of pure love, acts that are pleasing to God. To love those who cannot return anything materially. These are selfless acts that reveal our heart, our openness, our generosity, our empathy, our courage. How we treat the least of our brothers and sisters is the litmus test, not only of our faith, but our humanity. It implies a universality that includes all people, as they don't even know that they are ministering for and to Christ, or not ministering for and to Christ, as the case may be. In other words, a Muslim, a Buddhist, an atheist could be doing this, and if they are giving food to the hungry, water to the thirsty, welcoming the stranger, visiting those in prison, they are still ministering to Christ and open to receiving Christ. And if you think about those doctors who uh, have made the decision to stay in the hospitals, to stay in Gaza, and have been killed. I mean, if they don't fit this criteria, 
And many of them uh, would be Muslim, many Christian, many, or, uh, many without faith. If they don't fit this criteria, then you think, well, who, who uh, would? So truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these members, those who are members of my family, you did it to me. So I think this passage brings us back to the very essence, the very meaning of our faith, the very purpose of our lives, that our very existence as humans. We are made in love, created for love, and when you act in love, you are being true to your deepest identity, your true self, as Thomas Merton called it, to God within you. Loving the least of our brothers and sisters should be at the heart of all that we do in this community. And I want to sort of bring it uh, uh, to us, which is why last uh, year, Vestry took the decision to increase the usage of our building. It was never about a building project, but about the renewal of the community outside, but also our own renewal for our own well-being, for our own healing, for our own salvation. Because I believe that we are being invited to increasingly look outwards, to minister to the least of our brothers and sisters, who will in turn minister to us, will change us and be Christ for us. So the encouragement is to use our gifts of creativity, our music, our art, our writing abilities, so many uh, people that are wordsmiths in our community, our practical skills, our warmth, our hospitality, our friendship, to bring life to Leith, to our city, our world, but also allow Leith into our lives into our, uh, and allow our city and our world to bring life to us. And we are sort of beginning uh, to do this. I want just to share a little bit. We've already have well-established partnerships with Inspiring Leith and Safer by Thout, uh, Sounds, working together to facilitate the well and Siloam, which is a little uh, contemplative service that we have for people in recovery, but open to everybody. Um, uh, and we have uh, a lovely uh, relationship with the Lash community. Sally's been developing links with Narcotics uh, Anonymous, who use the building once a week. We're also exploring possibilities of working alongside um, SACRO, um, who a justice organization who work with sex workers, along with the possibility of running a playgroup for 24 fam families in Leith with many children with support needs. None of these are confirmed, but they're, I'm, I'm letting you know the op potential opportunities and potential. Ray and Robert are also looking at possibilities of being part of Soul Food, providing weekly meals for, uh, for the homeless. So there's plenty of opportunities for us um, to minister to Christ and receive Christ. Now, I'm going to just gently sow a seed, because um, I know it's Christmas time, probably the worst time to sort of gently sow this seed, but I'm going to anyway. Um, opportunities are opening up, but it does require participation and engagement in a variety of ways. And one seed I want to gently sow, um, and it's something we're going to come back to in more detail in the new year um, and before uh, the AGM is that we are running at a deficit, partly due to significant decline in our giving, um, about 6,500, if I'm going to be precise. And the giving uh, of us is really the bedrock of our, our finances. And if we can't increase this, then it, it impacts what we do, because then we need to have more commercial rents in our whole lettings um, to fill that, and that, that means that we can do less with the community groups um, that we'd like to work with. So I'd like just to begin, uh, just ask you to think about uh, your giving leading up to the AGM next year, particularly if you haven't got a standing order, to think carefully uh, about doing so, because then it enables us to sort of budget uh, and make decisions, because we're gonna have to make decisions about what work we do, what we don't do, uh, whether we use the building for that or whether we use it for this. And the, uh, we have to take into uh, consideration budgetary um, uh, uh, issues in order to be sustainable. So it's going to be a bit of a balancing act. But 
I want to stress that it is about, it's not about the, the building, it's about us actually connecting and being part of our community, bringing life to the community, but also receiving life. And I want to just end uh, with uh, the Bible verse that was in the first uh, passage. So I'm going to invite you just to close your eyes and hear these words. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which you are called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. Amen. And truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And truly, I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Amen. So as we open our hearts to God, let's just, each of us, understand and accept the presence of God in our life. So we come before you today, loving God, each of us unique individuals, with our weaknesses, our needs, our fears, and our hopes. You lovingly reach out when times are hard to meet the needs of the lost, the hungry, and the sick. And yet most often, you reach out through each of us as individuals. Yet we acknowledge, as we have just confessed, that we can selfishly hold on to what we have putting our needs first. Forgive us when we turn a blind eye, when we have seen someone we could have helped. And thank you, Lord, that we need not despair, because in you all things are possible in our lives. You gently bring us back when we stray, putting your loving arms around us, when we are hurt, and strengthen us when we are weak. Thank you for your love in our lives, which helps us to know you better. Thank you for the security that knowing you gives us. And thank you for getting, giving us more than we need, so that we can faithfully share all that we have with others. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for our world. Dear loving God, your heart must be breaking at what you see today. Lands ravaged by war, torn apart by evil actions, people's lives destroyed. So we pray against dark intentions and hardened hearts. We pray for hostilities to cease in all lands. We think of Ukraine, of Israel, of Gaza, Sudan, of so many countries in the world where unrest is rife. And we pray for civilians caught up in all these atrocities and wars especially newborn babies and children. We pray for the safe release of hostages. We pray for aid to reach those in need. For all Christians affected by tensions and violence because of their faith. For Jews and Muslims in this country and other countries being targeted because of war. 
And most of all, we pray for governments. Many make promises, and yet actions do not always match their words. And we pray for our own government in particular, that they may fulfil the promises that we have, they have made. And we pray for churches throughout the world, that they may abide by your word. And we pray that you will bring leaders forth who will not waver from your truth and lead us accordingly. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And so we pray for individuals, and particularly those we know. And after each little stanza, I'll just leave a space for you to think of the people that you know and bring them before God. So we pray today for all who are suffering, the lonely, the sick, the abused. We pray for all those with deteriorating health, for those who are suffering from mental health issues and struggling to find health and hope. And we pray for our friends we know across the world, particularly those who are caught up in situations of fear and difficulty and war. In particular, remember Cam Grant and her visits to Australia and New Zealand visiting family. Father, we thank you that you're always there to listen and call upon. Help those in turmoil to find a way, to find their way to you. Bring into their lives people like us who will walk with them in dark times and accompany them to greener pastures in their lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And so we pray for Leith, for the people of Leith, for the people of our town, indeed for all people in our country and the world. We pray for rough sleepers in need of a home, for those in poverty who need help, for children, particularly those in care, that they may find loving care and a safe place to call home. We pray for our streets, that all may walk safely. And we pray particularly for our church here in St. James, that we might indeed serve our community. So loving God, open our eyes to see and respond to the needs of others. Help us to match our actions with our words. Give us the boldness to act. So help us when we would rather not help. Help us when we would rather not do anything. Help us when we find ourselves judging. And help us to be doing people and not always just thinking about it or thinking it's a good principle. Help us to be sharing people and not holders. To know that we are blessed by the abundance you have given to us. And through the power of your spirit, help us to be eager to pass these blessings on and to pass on the physical and material things that you have blessed us with. And we ask all these prayers in the name of Jesus. Amen.
please stay standing for our next song. We lay our broken world in sorrow at your feet. Holy Spirit, all honour and glory be to you, Lord of all ages, world without end. Amen. The living bread is broken for the life of the world. Draw near with faith, receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ which he gave for you and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith and thanksgiving.
God, we thank you for feeding us with your body <coughs> and blood and your love. And we ask that you would increasingly open our hearts to loving others, loving ourselves, but loving the least of your children. Amen. Um.